The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Sunday Night Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where we're talking uh, why we like baseball, some ADP movers, and uh, we're talking about some uh, attacking some pitchers uh, to uh, if you have a weak category in the second half of your draft. All coming up next. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Scott Jensen. Joined, as always, on Sunday nights by Jeff Erickson. We are uh, sponsored by WinBet. We appreciate uh, appreciate them for that all season long on all the Roadwire podcasts. Uh, Jeff, it's uh, it's another Sunday night. It's another Sunday night without spring training. I know that. I'm going to try and uh, try and stay positive here. we do a little uh, kind of fun, positive baseball stuff up the top. Then we'll get into some fantasy stuff after that. But uh, how are you on the Sunday night? I'm doing well. Um I just got done playing soccer, which I love doing. Uh, it's, it's How'd you been play fun. tonight? Been, you know, I, I didn't give up. I didn't. I wasn't responsible for the other team scoring any goals, so it's a good night. I didn't hurt anything either, so we got that going for us. So the the the, the latter being the most important part of it. Yeah, we all have to go to work on Monday. That's right. the one rule of this league: no slide tackles. Oh it's, no! Uh, it's, it's usually like nobody gets down on the ground at all. Then yeah, that that's a rule, pretty much. You know, you can. If no one's around you, you want to slide to save it or something like that, you can do that, but you better not be near somebody. No diving, no sliding. uh, Is that enforced in police pretty well then? Yeah. And there's usually two to three women per team too. So a little, little bubble rules there. And, you know, and a couple of really old guys, I'm not one of those yet, believe it or not. Shockingly. Are you like middle age range for the team? Uh, I'm probably on the... 65th to 70th percentile i'm you know okay. i'm a man i'm 50 like mike gundy but uh you know <laughs> hey uh you know it's fun um uh, so it's cool uh yeah i'm, I'm doing well all things how, considered how, last question how tired are you by the end of the game oh i'm i'm pretty okay. tired and i'm really it seems sore like on that Mondays. would be that that just seems like that'd be a soccer right now be it's a tough game that uh you're pretty much moving the whole time do you guys have subs in and out a lot or do we you do throw? have okay. subs when everybody shows up um okay. I typically play defense, so I don't have to run it as much. But uh, yeah, I, those who can't also don't. And in many cases, I'm not a fast runner anyhow, so they don't want me in a position there. To, no, they don't need me to show off my speed. It's just Beautiful. too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's jump into it. I want to. I know there's just a lot of negativity out there. We're not even going to get into CBA stuff tonight. It's, it kind of is out there. Anybody who, like I said earlier to you, anybody that listens to a podcast knows what's going on. They've read all the tweets all day. Um, we're hoping for some good news tomorrow. Um, you're probably a little more optimistic, optimistic than I am, but I want to talk about some stuff we like about baseball. First, on the top, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, 
there's been a lot of talk online this week about, you know, NFBC and other leagues and stuff like that. And, you know, how people talk about podcasts. Um, I hope that I know we talk a lot of NFBC on this thing, but I, I try and make our outlines and our stuff that like anybody that's in like a 12 team home league or a 10 team league can lose. So we know we talk about, we talk about free agents a lot during the season. Um, I always try and make it so that we talk about like 15 team level guys, 12 team level guys, maybe some tens in there. Um, so I do hope that people, uh, we do talk about NFBC, but I hope that people don't think that, uh, you know, our advice or our, our, our talks or talk about players is only that. I think it's, I hopefully, and I want to keep it usable for anybody who, you know, might be at a points league or a home league. Um, so I hope it stays that way. If if anybody wants to hit us up on Twitter, thinks we, you know, maybe uh, something we're missing or anything like that, please do so. But uh, hopefully we do that. Uh, I like to try and do that in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you got to remember, uh, you know, a lot of people play different ways. They're yeah. all valid. Right. Every, I, you know, I, play, I play home leagues too, that, you know, 10 and 12. I played a points home league forever. So I play a lot mm-hmm. of leagues. I just, I kind of refer to my, my, the teams I pay most attention to, but um, I hope that all the advice kind of, you know, trickles down to any size, any kind of format. You're in. Even if you're in the ALN only, you know, I try to hit some free agents on that end too. So we try to kind of hit the gamut. So hopefully we do. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you do have to acknowledge what type of format you're playing when you play in it too. That's yeah. a point I made when I wrote up my review of uh, labor from earlier this week. You know, it's a standalone league. There's trading involved, yeah. you know, that you don't have just the mere fact that there's not an overall contest changes everything. You know, I've been playing in the, all these draft and hold leagues in the NFBC environment, which I love, but it's different. And it kind of tilts your mindset. You know, you, you, there's not as much of a need to push up closers. You don't have to get stolen bases in the first round. Just the, whole, the whole the whole need for balance just changes fully because you, you could. You could have a ton of home runs, and you know, and you know, you're in July 15th. You can suddenly trade for a stolen base guy or a or a pitcher or something like that. There's just a lot of different uh, different ways to look at it. The, the whole balance aspect definitely changes when you can trade. Yeah, that's right. Do you find those expert leagues that a lot of trades actually happen, or is it like there's trading? But you know, I've been in a couple of leagues where you know there's trading, but you know, never no one ever really does anything. Are those uh, the tout and labor? Do you you guys usually get a lot of deals done? Uh, depends on the year. It depends on who's in the league, obviously, but, uh, you know, labor and the mixed labor league, Fred Zinke's in it. So oh, trades so, happen. So you, you'll get some I, offers at least for sure. Well, Fred is known for being yeah. a prolific and fantastic trader. Uh, he and I do a podcast together as hopefully most of you guys know, we do the Tuesday podcast. We I did a that. live stream last week. I hope some people enjoyed that format. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, but how hard know, was it to do that and draft at the same time? Easier than I thought, but right. I think that'd be hard, variable be hard about, for me. It was well, at times, but in a way, sometimes it helped me crystallize my thoughts too. Yep. You start talking about a certain player, or start start right. talking about something that's going on. Uh, the other, but the thing is, I live tweeting the draft was not as yeah, effective. I got about sixteen picks in. I just couldn't keep up. I was always like four or five rounds behind. So that's one thing that kind of stopped. I think I think fifteen, sixteen picks tweeted out it's probably good anyway you're probably you're probably good about that point yeah uh, well i don't want everybody to know no i'm just kidding um who right. i take in in the end your, your super secret 24th round pick yeah. you don't want me to know about yeah. before before yeah. the main event yeah right now and and get don't get me wrong i understand that people don't want to reveal everything in the nfbc that sure. you know they want to keep their names detached from that that's fine you're paying your money to play a high stakes league yeah. you're not signing on to have your picks revealed it's different than if you're providing information, people are trying to subscribe to your stuff. You're, you're people, you're trying to get people to follow you yeah. one in one way, shape or form of another, then, Hey, guess what? There, there are no secrets and that's yeah. fine. That's the price we pay a little bit. And it's it's a very stuck, modest price. I'm stuck weirdly in the middle of that. Cause I don't do it. I don't technically work for you guys. So I don't, uh, not employed. I put up my own money for all these things, but I, I'm at the point where 
I, I'm pretty transparent about everybody I do like or don't like. I figure if someone's going to jump me in a draft for someone I like, you know, I'm going to live with that. If someone is, uh, you know, if someone's just following my info or doing that, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to, I'm going to be fine with that and not have a problem beating that person anyway. So I, uh, I'm okay with that. I, 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 I'm fully transparent. It may hurt me at some times, but you know, maybe someone takes someone that, uh, that I like don't, and didn't, don't end up doing well too. So it kind of works both ways, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, I've thought about that too in the past. And I just, I kind of just, uh, at one point I just got over it. I realized that uh, I'm going to tell you who I like, tell you who I don't like. If you want to, uh, if you want to move somebody up based on that, that's great too. And I'll, I'll figure out a way to get around it also. Yeah. And chances are people like those people for their own reasons too. And yeah, I think I that's, I don't proclaim to be the only person who ever likes somebody, but yeah, right. that's, that's a good point too. Although uh, I think, I think my fades, I probably am more protective of, but I'm still open with those. And um, I'm pretty sure that anybody, at least the contests I play in, um, you know, I, almost everybody's doing their own research, doing their own work. They're not going to not take somebody because if they like him, suddenly I don't like, I just, I don't think I'm moving the needle enough. So I'm, I'm pretty good being transparent on it. Yeah. I, I think you probably move it more than I do, to be honest, but because um, you also don't issue a thousand opinions every draft season right. uh, you, and track record too, scoreboard kind of <laughs> applies, but uh, so yeah, anyways, um, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And you know what? That Hey, I've made a career out of fantasy yeah. sports. I cannot complain if someone's going to trail my picks or fade my picks. You know that's fine. No, Go for you it. Are. No, you are. Not, you're definitely not. It has worked out. Uh, it's worked out well for you uh, either way. So that's a, that's a really good point. But uh, baseball has been negative this week. Let's let's talk a few positive things. Just I want to take yeah. a few minutes to say what we like about baseball. I know it's uh, there's been nothing positive about their baseball. So I want to do ten minutes on that. Um, I want to talk about some favorites, some stuff you like about the game. Uh, let's go start at the top right now. Uh, Who's your favorite player right now? I think I know the answer to most of these, but other people don't. don't. Is it still Joey Votto? It still is Joey yeah. Votto. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, how can you, especially after last year, after his yeah. renaissance, and just you see all his interactions with fans, you see what he's overcome in terms of like getting over anxiety and things of that issue, you know, issues like that. Yeah, I love the guy. Uh, he wants to remain a red for life for reasons, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm thrilled about that. Uh, love Joey Votto. Did you think the Renaissance was coming as a Joey no. Votto super fan? No. Um, even though I traded for him, you asked about trades. I remember I that. I remember for you Joey traded Votto for, and labor for someone that got hurt right away, right? No, it was for Ian Kennedy. And oh, all right. Okay. Votto was the guy that got hurt right That's, away. I knew that. I knew there was an injury in that trade at some point. Yeah, but Kennedy was better than Votto for about yeah. three, four weeks, and then Votto, when he came off the IL, said, "I'm going to hit homers," yep. and hit homers. It was beautiful. And then after I got the benefit from that, and other guys caught fire too, I actually had a surfeit of homers. So I traded Votto, and it hurt a little bit. But hey, I wasn't trading him. I was trading his stats to Steve Gardner, and I got Max Fried for the six six best weeks of Max Fried's life. So at least as a baseball player, he might have had better six weeks otherwise well, I, but it's probably his best like 10 weeks if you add the playoffs and world series now yeah, yeah. So that's, that's probably pretty tough to uh pretty tough to top for max i don't know his uh marriage or child status so that maybe maybe right. that trumps it but uh in terms of uh his uh, his his short life so far i bet you that's his professional life his let's professional just leave life it at for that. sure yeah yeah um what about like in the i know we've obviously been fans for a long time you know Votto's uh you know not the young guy out there what about anybody is in the younger like the under 30 section that you really find yourself gravitating towards you know there's so many good young players i think part of the frustration with you know baseball being where it is right now is there's like eight or ten guys that are under 25 that are just all world awesome and you know could change the game and get fan young fans in the game but who do you like uh, in the under 30 level who, who really is uh like your favorite so many, in that group? so many but juan yeah. soto probably yeah. is the guy i just enjoy watching every single one of his plate appearances i still love trout too i mean yeah. 
you know, he, he, he barely qualifies as that now, but uh, at the same time, man, just, just stay healthy, man. Uh, yeah. It just, both those guys, you know, and hopefully Soto gets his and stays healthy. And, you know, I'm glad that he had his perfect, you know, the team success uh, that he has the one world series where he came up huge in game seven too. You know, you love seeing that yep. from such a young player. Oh, love it. Yeah. Soto Soto's awesome. Mine, mine in that group is Fernando Tatis. I think living out here in California, just, I love watching all his at bats. I know there's a little, you know, controversy on how much he pimps at bats or stuff like that. I, I'm I'm one that tends to like that. Um, I like a guy that plays shortstop too. I love watching him in the field. So I think mm-hmm. that's the guy that uh, yeah. locally local helps. You know, I get games on the West Coast, obviously after work, all that kind of stuff. Flip them on. I find myself, um, you know, once the A's are down, you know, nine nothing, and I can flip games. I find myself flipping over to a lot of Padres games. Now that Bob Melvin is there, I probably watch some more games there. You know, I'm not yeah. a not a Dodgers fan, not a Giants fan, so I find myself watching Padres games. If I'm watching. You're gonna go to game. our Padres. Let's our Padres is gonna be the way it is. Yes, I like yes. it. But well, and uh, a great broadcast crew too. That yes, always helps. That does help a lot because uh, yeah. another thing the A's don't do well is their broadcast. The Giants do that really well. I like the Giants announcers a lot, but um, yeah, he's probably my favorite young player overall. I guess I gotta go Nelson Cruz uh, for just a bunch of reasons, but I, I love mm-hmm. Nelly. Um, you know, you it, it kind of moves based on what A's players playing well. It was Chapman for a while, and then uh, I don't know. He's been a little frustrating lately. They tend to they tend to trade all their. I, I was a big Cespedes guy for a while. They tend to trade all the players that I like, which has obviously been frustrating for a lot. Jason Giambi was like my favorite player for a while too. But uh, I go back to Nelson Cruz uh, has been big for me in fantasy baseball, which is obviously what we're talking about here. I actually met him once too, um, you know, through a mutual friend of both of ours. And he was super nice to both me and my wife. So that, uh, you know, you get that, you get like for that four minute interaction with somebody's over the top, nice to you and super, he was very soft-spoken and just kind of nice and genuine. Um, that kind of, uh, gonna move somebody up, whether it's true or not, you know, you get five minutes of time, but, uh, the fact that he was super nice, uh, definitely, it makes me super biased in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love, and you love hearing stories like that too, where they're yeah. just, you know, they, maybe they have a public image of this and then are not always that way when you have a personal interaction, but when they do, like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's funny. It's this giant human being. Like, yeah, I mean, um, everybody knows me. I'm not tall. Um, but why? And he's just like very soft spoken. You just like, kind of expect a big personality to go with the big body. You just don't, you don't get that. So it's fun to see. What about, uh, what about your favorite player ever? Yeah. Obviously, uh, you mentioned how old you were earlier. So I'm not outing you there. Obviously, you had some really good Reds teams in the 70s and 80s. You had a Reds team in the 80s, or I guess the early 90s, 1990, that beat my A's in the, in the World Series. Um, who's your favorite player ever? I don't know if I know. I knew the uh, Joey Votto answer, but I don't think I know the like favorite retired player question. I had a hard time like narrowing it down to a singular favorite. Um, there, you know, throughout the years with the Reds, I mean, Eric Davis was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I just because you were too young for the like big med red machine. No, I, I still I loved Morgan. Okay. Um, and I loved George Foster. Was the uh-huh. when I was a kid, fifty two one forty nine. I mean, that's what I remember uh-huh. in nineteen seventy seven. Uh, playing in the yard and pretend, you know, emulating that tall swing and you know the tall pose, and he was so taciturn and quiet. You know, he wasn't flashy. He's a good player. It's a shame he went to New York, where he's just so such an ill fit. Uh, Adam Dunn, I loved Adam Dunn. I mean, the, the big the exactly forty home runs every year. Yeah, I mean, the guy was just though. I mean, he had more speed than you realized. He he's he was witty. Uh, you know, under understated uh, sense of humor there. Uh, loved him. I liked Nick Sasky. I liked. Uh, oh, there's a name I didn't think we'd hear tonight. Yeah, I thought he. I always thought he got screwed by Pete Rose, putting himself in over him, uh, <laughs> and things like right. that. I mean, there. So I, I was great for that because remember the Reds were so awful in the '80s for such yeah. a long time, uh, that 
they started to have this fun young guys, a Sasky that and Cal Daniels, Tracy or, Jones, or Sabo. and Sabo and yeah. Sabo and it led into Davis. And, that, and then all of a sudden 90 was great again, yeah. but uh, I, I'm grateful for uh, Danny Jackson, that trade of Kurt Stillwell for Danny Jackson. I mean, I loved Barry Larkin too, but you know, it, it's so, like I said, there's a lot of reds uh, and the pitching side, I'm going to name one pitcher. I know I'm going to preempt your next question on favorite pitchers. Cause there's two, but favorite yeah. reds pitcher is Mario Soto. I, I did know that answer. That was uh yeah, he was really good there for a while. Toiled through some awful, awful years and just, Oh man, if he could have been on some good teams, how, how much, how much better he'd be remembered. You, you talked about Eric Davis. We talked about fantasy. That 87 year, how do you think that mm. would have worked fantasy-wise? 37 home runs, 50 steals, 293, buck 20 runs, and 100 RBIs. That's a nutty Is that good? Hit. Is that good? That's a crazy fantasy. You, you, someone online was talking, someone on Twitter earlier was talking about Larry Walker made a joke. And I'm like, you realize how that 97 Larry Walker season is like the most absurd fantasy season. Was he like 49, 130 with 30 steals and he hit 366. Like, yeah, you, well, can't, even, like, you can't even put that in the, in the Rotowire auction calculator because it probably break it. List did the uh, all time greatest fantasy uh, se- uh, seasons and Larry Walker came up like one t- top three. Yeah. It may be top one, depending when, when really cores was, when cores was really cores. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and people hadn't, you know, there was no humidor. It was just, yeah. and you had an elite player in course. Cause you yeah. got, people don't remember how good Larry Walker was in Montreal. Yeah, dude was He awesome. was a, just yeah. a beast there too. Yeah. Those, those fancy numbers are nuts. My, my favorite player ever. I just, I got really lucky. I was an A's fan growing up and like the peak years of me growing up was Ricky Henderson and just no one more fun, no one more fun to watch. Um, yeah. I tell the story. I worked for the A's in 94, funny enough, the last time there was a, a really big baseball um, labor problem. And uh, the A's were bad that year. Like the, the whole division was bad, so they're kind of in the mix. But I remember there was a – I probably told the story already. But there was a – we did like a promotion on the field afterwards. Like all the people, the interns. I was an intern. We got dressed up in uniforms. A kid could like take swings on the field and run around the field. And every – the A's parking lot's out in center – then was out in center field. Every player walked straight to their kids, didn't say anything. Ricky Henderson, who was the only star on the whole team, uh, came by and like, like uh, gave fist bumpers, or, or, like, rubbed the head of every single kid in line. And it was Ricky Henderson was the only one that did that. And that showed a lot to me. Like the yeah. superstar guy who like, if he was, if he were the one to ignore everybody, because you know he's going to get the most attention, you kind of understand it. And he was the one that stopped and like made every kid's day. And there's probably kids that still remember that because I mean, he's Ricky Henderson. Um, sure. So pretty awesome. The dude was just unbelievable. And you hear so many things he's doing post-career in the Oakland yeah. area. And you just realize genuinely good guy. And, you know, for a while he got a bad rap. Oh, cocky today. I'm the greatest and all that. <laughs> well, part of that is public speaking wasn't his thing. Yeah. Uh, and just, I, yeah, and now you look back on it now today and, you know, it would be, t- you know, tame compared yeah. to today's standards too. Just, and then just underrated player somehow. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize he had more power than people think just that on base ability was just so elite. Yeah, I don't have a lot of graded baseball cards, but his rookie card is right there. You probably can't see it in the background, but I do have a I do have a PSA eight eighty tops Ricky Henderson that I've uh, I like to have on display at all times. So. Nice, nice. Um, what about like stadiums? What is your? Uh, I don't know how many stadiums you've been to or you've traveled around. I know you've been to a bunch. Uh, what's your favorite stadium in terms of like? I guess you go experience on one hand, then actually the stadium on the other hand. What would you? What would you? What would you throw for each of those? Yeah, I've been to roughly about twenty or so. Right. Um, twenty current or twenty overall. Overall, okay. overall, some are not current. Um, I mean, I went, I've been to Wrigley probably more than anywhere. Um, and you can have just the best and the worst experience there, but uh, I've had a lot of good ones. Uh, yeah. Fenway, I've only been to Fenway once, it was awesome. 
uh, Keith Law was working for the Blue Jays and actually hooked me up with a ticket. So that was oh, pretty nice. awesome, too. Uh, so we had great seats in Fenway. That was awesome. Uh, I think of the new parks. And believe it or not, Safeco really fit my eye well. Yeah, I've been there. I like it. Uh, I, I just like the green background. I don't know. It just it felt felt right. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. I only went to one game there, but I really like that. Uh, Petco is awesome. I think a lot of people think highly of Petco. Uh, I haven't been to Pittsburgh yet. And I believe it or not, I haven't been to the Reds' new ball. It's not even new anymore. Great American. I haven't been there. The Reds are what Reds are one of the six I haven't been to. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that seems to be a correctable error that I'll have to make, but, uh, you've probably been to more ballparks than I have actually. I think I'm at like 36 or 37, something wow. like that, but 24 currently, I think there's like, there's like 12 or 13 old ones. I have a, I do have a spreadsheet somewhere. You're gonna think I'm a nerd, but I do have a spreadsheet somewhere. I'm gonna have to do all, that. All of that to list. Keep track of it. Uh, but I mean, I, you know, San Francisco for sure, San Diego. I'm trying to think of the old old ones I've been to. I've been to the old Pittsburgh, the Kingdome, the Metrodome, old Yankee Stadium. So yeah, I think it's about 12 or 13 old ones. The old Marlins one too, which is a dump. But um, yeah. like experience wise, you mentioned Fenway and Wrigley. Like I had, a, I went with like my two best friends from college. We went, a, we went on a road trip. We did Wrigley, but we did like the whole day that we did. It was the during the. Uh, during the World Cups, we had like a USA Italy World Cup game in the morning, and we we're watching at one of the bars. We went to the game, then went to the Cubby Bear afterwards. And like, you just—it's impossible to beat that as a baseball day, right there. Um, but in terms of like stadium, I think uh, PNC and Pittsburgh and Camden are my two favorites. I've been doing. I love, I love every sight line of Camden. Like, we sat right behind home plate. I actually sat next to Miguel Snow's agent, which is he was a kind of a strange dude. But um, anyway, there was like there was like storm clouds rolling, just a cool like that whole stadium, that whole area is just. They just built that perfectly in that area. So I really liked Camden too. I know it's the oldest of the new ones, but and PNC is just pretty much perfect. Like I know that's it's the Pirates, but we were we were kind of down low before the game, and that's the whole views and everything. It's they did everything right in that place. That's awesome. I have not been there either. Uh, so I mean, it just doing this like starting to go through my head. I haven't been there. I haven't been there. Man, I need to go to a lot more stadiums. Uh, I, like I have the it. benefit of traveling a lot. And when I ever I'm able to just like get some more a day early, I will go and I'll go, go and try to do that. And then I did a couple uh, when my wife, Christy, who, you know, was uh, pregnant. I was in, I was on the East coast on one weekend, the other weekend. So there, I, there's no reason for me to come home for like three days. So she came out we went to, we went to Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Cooperstown and just kind of drove around oh, for five awesome. days. It was, it was awesome. She was like six months pregnant. So kind of our last trip before Juliet was born. So it was, uh, Seattle a good was our last trip before Allie was born. Yeah. So there you go. It's, uh, it's, so it's, it's nice, but what about, what's your worst stadium, least favorite place you've been? Okay. So it doesn't exist anymore, but old Baltimore Memorial stadium. Uh, I, went I ne- never, never went to that one. Now it, it didn't help that we had horrible seats. They were in the pink seats they were the upper deck and it was like just an awful view i don't even remember who they played i think it might have been detroit but that was there was it was just there was nothing to gain from that and it it felt like the neighborhood was bad although i was a kid so who knows um i might have been different there um i old comiskey you could get some pretty bad sight lines you could get some really good ones so i've had some good and bad there New Comiskey, same way, although I think they've made some changes to make it better there. I haven't been there since they made the changes. But when they opened New Comiskey, the seats were all blue, for like light blue for some reason. Um, and there just seemed to be like this permanent buzz in the background. I don't know. I just did, I didn't, didn't care for that. I, so. I went to the new one, too, and it just kind of did nothing for me. Like it was just it, yeah. was, it was kind of OK. I should say it's got to the A's play there, which is kind of cool. But like I just I, there's like nothing really that memorable about uh, about New Comiskey yeah. for me either. Yeah. Uh, 
Tropicana is definitely my worst. That's no surprise there. It is a weird place. It's like the dome is like kind of slanted down. So you feel even more claustrophobic than you do in a regular indoor stadium. And hmm. apparently so they can use less AC apparently is the word on that. And just, it's a weird place. Uh, I was there with the guy, you know, Mike Quackenbush. It was a fun day. We were just hanging yeah. out, but it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it's a weird place to watch baseball. You kind of walk and you feel like you're in a basketball arena. Cause it's like a concourse. You can't see, Oh, you can't see the field at all. And you walk through, it's just a, it's a strangely built place. You can tell they built it for like a multi-use you know, final four or something like right. that kind of place. And it's just, it's just not meant to have baseball. Yeah. I also went to one game at chase field, uh, Arizona. I didn't like chase that much. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, part of it was where my seats were. Uh, we were down the left field line. I was with my family. So that part was cool. It took my kids and my parents. We were, you know, seeing some relatives in town. Uh, but you walk in and you feel like you're in an office park. There's like this carpeted yeah. hallway. Like, what the heck am I? Are we in the stadium now? And then like, oh, okay, there's the line. You know, like, ugh, just, just, and and again, and it just didn't feel like a baseball stadium. It felt like this big monstrosity. I felt uh, the same. We were in the upper deck, and I just felt like I was in a giant warehouse where they ran yeah. through through a field down or something. It was it was very odd. Yeah, for a, for a newer place, I guess you know they have to. They're trying to keep everybody cool and it's in the desert, but I just, uh, I, I'm sure just, that has a lot to do with yeah. it. Just the logistical issues. But I mean, it was all also, I can't separate like my reaction to like, it, it was like five or 10 years old. And they're bitching about needing funding to yeah. change things. That it, was, right. it wasn't modern enough. Yeah. Like you had your chance. Uh, I've been to two of the Atlanta stadiums. I'm as much as I went to the new one with you and yeah. I liked the stadium. It was a good stadium. I liked it too. But I was appalled that they needed that after 20 years at their other stadium. I mean, just 20 years. That's nothing. And like it sounded like more it was about like location and they didn't want people yeah. sitting in traffic more than it was the actual stadium, which is it's it's pretty wild. So, yeah, I have to play in this suburban base, I guess. But yeah. whatever. But uh, it was just it's frustrating. They want public money two times in a row there. Real quick before we go too far down here. I know people want to get some fancy stuff. What is your favorite moment you've seen in baseball live? The Tati Senior two home run, uh, two grand slams in one inning. <laughs> poor, poor Chan Ho Park. Yeah, I know. I uh, can't believe you were at that ballpark. game. I, that that game's so memorable. I remember where I was watching that game. That's that's awesome. You were at that game. Yeah, Peter Shankin and I sat together for that one. There, first year we were out in L.A. Uh, with Broadband Sports using their had their seats. Um, nice. When he recall. came up the second time, did you realize how impossible this was? You were seeing? No, I mean, it, well. In, didn't even real until he hit it. They're like, wait a second. What the I, on? I think I was first focused on Chan Ho Park. I might have had him in a league. Yeah, I'm I think like, I, oh. I'm sure I did because that was <laughs> that's about the worst inning a pitcher's ever had. How I don't know how you're still in the game to give up the second one. That's right. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um uh, that that's the wild part. And it was Friday night, and Chan Ho Park would pack the park, you know, there's Huge yeah. Korean contingent in LA. It was so good. It was good too. People are still stumbling yeah. into the park because you know it's hard, impossible to get on a Friday night to get the Dodger Stadium on time. We were lucky we got there on time to see it. Um, so yeah, it, it, that was that was really cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I had trouble with this because every time I go see a big A's game, they get shut out and lose. So I, I, <laughs> every single time to the point where uh two years they play the Rays in the in the playing game three years ago, two years ago, whatever. I like with COVID, I've lost track of time. Um, my wife went up with a friend because I was like, I can't do it. Like, I just won't go. And then uh, I think it was Yanni Diaz at home on the first pitch. And I was like, thank God I made that decision. Because Yeah, just... that was the StatCast broadcast, too. So uh, oh, it's, they it's... could tell you at least you got a better description of how much, how bad it was. But yeah, <laughs> I just I, I'm bad there. I uh, 
I did see Marco Scudero hit a grand slam walk off off Mariano Rivera, which is like wow. sounds impossible when you say that loud, but it happened. It was the first we first baseball games Christy and I had gone to together, and we were trying to, we we were going to the airport after the game. We're like, should we get out of here? Rivera's coming in. They're up three. I'm like, ah, forget it. We'll just stay. And I would have been mad if we had left. Um, I was at the World Series game where Barry Bonds hit the homer off Percival, where the, the Tim the Tim Salmon. I can't believe that. And that's the first one. Oh. That's the, awesome. And they all had those like awful balloons they hit during those games. And like the whole stadium just got quiet for like, for like three seconds because everybody was just stunned that he had a ball that far. It was, it was unbelievable. So that was a, that and was that a ball just one. seemed to disappear too. It did. Like, like, it went down a tunnel and it's just like in lore, like it did actually go down the tunnel to go out. The, people don't know where the hell it went. It was, uh, it was pretty wild, but that's one of those ones. Like it just, it, it's a whole, it's just for the fact the stadium was so loud. It was the ninth inning. It was all Percival. And just got so quiet so fast. It was crazy. Yes. The thunder sticks. Thank someone you. Someone just waited. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. The thunder sticks. I, I knew I was gonna call them logo balloons or whatever they were, but yes, they definitely were thunder sticks. And boy, they were miserable to be at the game for. But um last question. What's your favorite play in baseball? Some people it's triple, some people it's a double in the gap. Uh you is probably some sort of bunt, but what what is your favorite play? Yeah, that's right. You nailed <laughs> it there. All right. You um favorite play. Um you want me to go first? I got a good one. Yeah, yeah, you go first. My favorite play in baseball is either like an ace starter or a closer striking someone out with guys on base uh, to end an inning. I think that's always my favorite. Like, usually it's if I have somebody in my league or something, or if it's an A's player. But I love that, like, moment with two on in a close game where a guy, you know, throws a slider away and punches a guy out. You get a fist bump off the mound. Place goes crazy. I'm uh, – I'm big into that. I love a, I love a, you obviously don't want your closer to have guys on base, but a closer with guys on base, you're like, Oh, here we go. Either like, again, either an A's game or fantasy team that, that strikeout for the last out, Liam Hendricks punching someone out. Uh, that's, that's definitely my favorite play. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I just say like my team cranking a Homer though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you're going to hate me for this, but Eric Davis game one in 1990. That uh, diving catch. No, the home run in game uh, one. Off uh, Dave Stewart. Yes. Yes, uh, as Sports Illustrated described it as a Pat O'Brien seeking missile because Pat O'Brien used to do sports and he was like in center field behind the center field fence for the pregame show or whatever. And he just hit this missile. I I love like the hard line drive home run, you know, not the one. I love the majestic bombs, too. But man, just the one that rising line drive. Oh. Yeah, I remember that Pump one. The other, the other rising that drive that got lost in history is the Conseco Grand Slam in Game One of the '88 World Series. Mm-hmm. Lost because Gibson hit the home run later in that game, but he hit that Grand Slam and it did not go more than like 13 feet off the air, and it hit the, it, it, it hit the camera in center field and dented it. I and it, you that. watch that highlight, you're like, oh my god, that was just an absolute. I want an exit velo on that because that was just an absolute laser, and just everybody forgets he hit a Grand Slam in the, in the World Series because obviously Gibson changed it uh, pretty quick. Yeah, and just how imposing that lineup was. Uh, just, oh, just, uh, you know, seeing Conseco and McGuire in that team, just. It was crazy. It was crazy. As you see, great plays always happen against the A's. So there's, there's, there's always happens there. But let's jump into some fantasy stuff. Uh, hopefully that makes everybody happy. We get some good baseball talk. But uh, real quick, uh, before we do that, a note from our sponsors at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface and Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more all at your fingertips. Want to break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino, take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slot to try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. All will will rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Worldwide's Fantasy Podcasts. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Jeff, I could probably just talk baseball with you for the next hour or so, but I think everybody might be mad at that. Uh, so I would, I would love to do that. I don't that, know if they uh, would actually. Yeah, that's true. It might be, might be the actual perfect time where we could actually get away with that. Uh, yeah. I just love talking baseball. That's why all this stuff kind of pisses me off because I just love, I love the game. I love the sport. I love a lot of sports, but I've, I've grew up playing baseball. I've always followed it the most. I play it the most fantasy wise. It's just that's where that's where my frustration and some of my pessimism comes from. Like I said, I worked for the A's in '94 um, when the strike actually did happen. Cut my internship short, so I'm a little a little yeah. still scarred by that. I mean, you know, probably didn't change my life that much, but uh, you know, I would like to finish that off and all that. But uh, so that's where it comes from. But it does come it does come a place of me actually loving the sport, right? And it, it let's face it, it's it's all the more frustrating when our respective teams are some of the couple of the ones that are responsible for this mess right now. I promise you A's owner, John Fisher is in there hoping there's no April games, which pisses me off. Yeah. Well, and you know, you hear about this, this is a lot about the big market versus small market. Yeah. And you know, our two respective teams have not signed a major league player this off season. I mean, it's just two of the three teams that haven't, you know, that they're, they're, they're the ones that are pounding the table saying we, you got to hold firm on this, you know, 
you know, the pirates yep. are, they're just soaking in, just taking in all the money too. But, you know, the thing is, it's just, and you had this distasteful drama during the season last year with your general manager and owner flirting with Vegas and now yep. they're back and, yep. Oh, accept this proposal, please. And all that. Yeah. I, I, it's frustrating. Yeah, it, it is. But uh, let's talk about some ADP movers. I kind of took a look at um, the last month of ADP and then kind of the, the, six weeks or so before that and see some guys that have moved up or down to see uh, what you feel about them. Some of them are, you know, kind of a, uh, what position they play. Some of them are, you know, the talk that's been out there. First guy I want to talk to you about. It's a, it's an interesting guys kind of been a, someone that's been out there a lot. Uh, your friend, uh, John Legaza did a whole uh, thing on him for PitchCon. is, is Walker Bueller really good uh, video by John. If you, uh, if you have not seen that, he, he kind of went through Walker Bueller for about 15 minutes and it was a lot of interesting stuff, but it's interesting because Bueller was so good last year. He went at two four seven ERA, but you look at all the projection systems and they do not like him. It it sticks out. You know, you always have some of that with projections, but it sticks out. I mean, you got uh, something like Steamer is four point one one ERA. ATC is three five five. The bat is three point eight four. You look at these numbers, you're like, oh my god, this is my my first or second round pick. He's gone from a uh, thirteen ADP to about seventeen. So he dropped back. That's not a lot, but when you get that high up, it kind of is. It's a it's a most you know, a third of a round right there. Um, where are you with, with Walker Bueller right now? It's, it seems like the actual on-field production um, and then some of the metrics not looking as good, dropping in velo I think is concerning to people, um, is very different what, than what the projections have for him this year. I think that's, I think that's a great point. Um, I, I struggled with this one here a little bit too because he was actually super durable last year. You yeah. know, in, in 2020 – Remember, he took a while to get ramped up. Supposedly, he wasn't ready to go when the bell rang. You yep. know, he, they had to manage him. He took a while to make his debut. I, you know, but then last year, I think his first 16 starts, he did at least six innings, you know, and I think 26 out of 27. Uh, you know, that that alone is pretty crazy. Uh, sure, the, fa- the fastball velocity might be an issue. I think it really is the projection systems coming out yep. that probably drove this. That and John. John moves markets, I guess. But, you know, not I guess he does. Smart people talking about it is, is really the takeaway here. Uh, that, you know, you, you get some people discussing that, and that, that could change things a little bit there, too. Uh, I, I think that's some of it. I think also, you know, you know and the thing is, it's just he's still in the same pot as Scherzer, as, you know, as uh, Brandon Woodruff, as, you know, as Wheeler, as yeah. DeGrom, maybe. For that yep. matter, uh, but he just maybe just changes the ordering. He's now not always SP three. Sometimes he's SP five or six. Joe Sheehan took him uh, as SP three though in this in the labor draft on Tuesday. Yeah, it's just I mean the K rate dropped, the velo dropped, his whiff rate fell in his fastball to twenty percent and got hit a lot more. So you know maybe that that drop in velocity just made that pitch a little more hittable. He's still on a great team for wins. So he threw two hundred seven innings last year. I have a hard time in there. I think I probably go. Um, Wheeler and Scherzer ahead of him, which kind of means I'm not getting him. Yeah, I, I go Woodruff ahead of him too. Oh, well, you, yeah, you're definitely not getting him then. If you, yeah, because that's well, that's I went about... Woodruff ahead of Scherzer and Wheeler too on oh, the really? other night. So I had my choice of all those guys, except for you know Bueller had already gone, but I I took SP4 and I took uh, Woodruff. Is Woodruff over Scherzer a 29 versus 38 kind of thing? Is that yeah, a yeah, Scherzer with the, the injury late in the year last year? Yeah, that that's that's a part of it. I you know there's. Less of a concern there. He doesn't have a fresh recent injury at all. Woodruff's rock solid, man. I, I looked at him. I, I was working on the earlier pitchers earlier, and uh, it's, just, it's hard to find a, a spot to really critique. I mean, he's just really damn good across the board. Yep. And I think Milwaukee will be damn good. And I think they're just, they're really good at pitching. I think they, they do a really good job. I, you notice I have like three Brewers on my squad. 
Uh, I have him, I have Peralta, and I picked up Aaron Ashby late. So I am I buy into – I was trying to buy Brewers and Rays. Uh, just kind of go with go by organization as a tiebreaker there. We talked we talked Soto and Tatis earlier, and the young guys we like. Uh, Freddie Peralta would be my pitcher, the young guy that I like most. I love watching that dude pitch. Yeah, he's fun. A little flair to him too, kind of like Marcus Stroman with better stuff is how I would probably yeah. go with it. But he's just, just fun to watch too. Um, next guy on this list has moved a lot. He's moved from 46 to 35. I think a lot of it is the the closer market, the closer crunch in, in draft champions uh, with their, you know, with so many free agents out there, you know, there are very few guys who have locked in jobs, but Rysel Iglesias is a, become a kind of late or er, late second round or early third round. His picks 35. Um, so maybe, yeah, I guess early third rounder. Um, he was really, really good last year as I looked at this. Uh, 2.57 ERA, 20. What do you have? I forget how many saves he had. 24 saves, 34 saves. Um, 37.7% K rate, though, was a career high. 4.4% walk rate was a career low. Both really good numbers there. Swing strike rate, career high, over 20%. You look at his stat cast page, super impressive. Uh, 51% whiff rate in his slider. He threw it 31% of the time. That's a really big knockout punch pitch there. Um, Iglesias is awesome. I just don't know if I can do it quite where the ADP is, uh, is leading at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember when I was fading Iglesias. That was fun. Uh, although part of that, that was that was more balls. Reds usage, though, right? Yes, it yeah. was. It was. Well, it was that and the go for ball rate. Uh, but that's you know all, every pitcher seems to give up ten homers now. So yeah, I, I'm less concerned about that. Twelve walks in seventy innings. Twelve. <sighs> Gotta like that. Gotta love it. Yeah, closer doesn't walk guys can punch guys out. Like it's just. There's so many ways you can get yourself not in trouble at all. Or if you do get a little trouble, so many ways to get out of it too. It's just, it's a, it's just a nice, nice, so nice to have a uh, ground ball rate was down a little bit, but still 40%. So you get a lot of ground balls, a lot of strikeouts, not many walks, uh, tough to score runs against that profile. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do, uh, does the closer inflation continue in the main event? I have to think it it goes the other way a little bit it, based on the fact that if we have a main event, we're going to have a deal. We're going to have some free agents. So we're going to know where Kenley Jans is. We're going to know where Craig Kimbrell, if he got traded. So I think it, uh, I think we probably get, you know, maybe three or four more guys that we feel pretty good. They have jobs. We're going to get quotes from managers. So I think as we get, as that field of, of that number increases a little bit of how many guys we know have jobs, I think all these guys kind of push back to where they were maybe a month ago, but um, there's still not going to be a lot of guys with, with, you know, that are good and have set jobs, but I think it's going to be like, I think Iglesias will be more in the, in the early forties than the mid thirties. Probably. I think it'd probably be a three, four turn guy, something like that. I, I think you're right. Um, are you going to buy Iglesias at that price? Probably not. Yeah. And nothing against Iglesias is just so many great players in that range that I'd love to get. But, um, a lot of it depends on my draft spot too. Like I'm going to figure, have to figure out a draft spot and figure out where I can get my, where I'm going to get my closer or my, my first closer and my second closer. It really depends on that. You know, if you're at one end and all the closers go to the other end, you have, you're going to have to take a step and do something. Um, I don't know. I look at all the players in that range and it's just like, I don't think I can take them over Francisco Lindor for one. Um, like if I need a starter, I probably go G Lito or Aaron Nola over him. Um, Aaron judge. There's so many guys in there. I'd probably take instead, but um, right. I need to figure out the closer strategy based on my draft slot too. So there's, it's Scott, I need to know exactly where you're going to take that first closer and who it's going to be. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. I wish I had the answer to that. Yeah, people um, can follow that. Where, you know, where are you, uh, where are you drafting in um, the yogurt league tomorrow? 13th. I'm 14th. I, uh, I actually like that. I like being on the end and slow drafts. Cause I, I can I get my picks done and uh, I hate be, I, middle and slow drafts is tough for me, but I'm i uh, I'm an impatient human too. So, Yes, 
Um, just strategically in a 15 teamer, I like eight, but six, I seven, eight. But I, lo- I love we've talked about that. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope that uh, you don't just you just hope that the the guys on the end, you know, fourteen. In my case, fourteen and fifteen. Your case, fifteen. They're not the the delay people. I've had it where like That's I've been true. on an end and. You know, I was two like a year ago or two years ago, and the the one waited like four hours to make his first pick, and then nothing the rest uh, of the night. That's be automatic expulsion for not making both your and picks. multiple times, at yeah. least two or three times, and that's just you know, it's awful. Yeah, and it, once you're like maybe you didn't realize it was snake draft, you didn't realize you back to back, but like after the first time, you know you have back to back picks, right? Yeah, and uh, you know it's purposeful, and they're waiting for news or whatever, and. It's going to be we, more acute this year. I say if we get an agreement or anything like that, it's going to be a lot of people waiting for news, which would be uh, that'd be painful. Which tomorrow is theoretically the day, so we'll see. Who uh, who who do you want at thirteen? Uh, I don't even know, dude. Um, I know my answer, so I'm good. Yeah. So well, I I let's see. I I'd love to get Tucker there. I would really like to get Tucker. Uh, I would love to get. Burns, it's not very likely, but would you take would you take Acuna automatically if you got there? Uh, automatic's a very strong word. You're a strong it's man, but strong um, word. I, I, I he would be high on my list. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I messed up. I want, yeah, I think I would take him, but and then I would t- probably take a pitcher in the second. Uh, I could if if I take Burns in the first, I'd take Albies in the second, maybe. Although that might not come back to me especially now that I'm revealing that that might be something I want to do. Uh, right. Cause you know, I have such a big impact. You might. I'm uh, I'm going, uh, I'm going Mookie Betts and either uh, Luis Robert or it's Robert. Now he wants it that way or uh, probably Robert yeah. or Scherzer or whatever. One of the pitchers in there probably is my, would be my plan. Any of the, would you pass on Acuna then? Yes. Okay. Uh, if Betts was there, Betts and Tucker were there. Yes. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, if and the problem is, if we start the season in June, that's a huge mistake. Like, Acuna's a top five pick if we start the season in June. So, I, it probably right. depends a lot on that. But I think I'm just, uh, I think there's going to be a little more of a ramp up than people think. And uh, I love Mookie Betts in the back half of the first round this year. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I was listening to uh, Jason Collette talk about him on, uh, the, a week ago, Friday, in the Bold Calls podcast and discussing, well, he, he's going to let Mookie Betts go uh, and looking at it's like a three year thing on him. Uh, that there, there's thinks that there's some possible cracks in the armor. Uh, so I don't know, some, something to check out a little bit there. I, I don't want to, he can articulate his feelings on this a little bit better, but he wouldn't take him till I think late third. So he'll never get him. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I just love a guy that, you know, give me, give me some power, give me some speed, hits the ball hard, doesn't strike out a lot on a really good team. And yeah. Um, I the kinda, logic makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of a weird gut thing too. I think we're going to, I think we've got a, another big, huge Mookie Betts season here at some point. He's only 29. I feel like he's a little bit forgotten about in these, you know, kind of elite player stuff. And I think he's probably going to, going to jump back in that discussion here at some point. Good point, Vlad. <laughs> yeah. The gut call, right? It never, yeah. it never goes well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Vlad likes him this year or not though. I, I better, I better check that out. No, it's just um, merely the fact that you cited your gut. I mean, no, but I, I should ask Vlad. He's a Dodgers fan, so I should ask him. But uh, yeah. that's a good segue. Speaking of fandom, into my next guy here. Luis Castillo uh, has been falling in the last uh, last uh, month or so. He was uh, yeah. ADP in the first six weeks or so. was 80. 
He's down to about 93 and a half. So down almost a full round. And that takes you from you know, like a sixth rounder to a, whatever that is a, eh, I guess a seventh rounder in the middle of the seventh round there. Um, rough 2021, as we all know, you and I talked about him a bunch because I drafted him in the main event in the second round. 3.9 ERA in 187 innings. The second half was a lot better. You look at that whip, 1.36, a scary number that, uh, you know, that if you're, that's your SP1, you're really kind of battling uphill the entire season. Um, K rate crashed uh, down to 24%. It was 29 and 30.5% and in the two years prior. Uh, walk rate was high at 9.3%. Uh, hard contact was good. He avoided that well. Barrel rate under 5%. Uh, big ground ball rate still 56%. Um, velocity was still really good, 97 uh, my two questions for you are, you know, you're the Reds fan. Where are you on Castillo now? And was the Reds infield defense bad last year? Where are we looking at in terms of defense? It was really bad, right? Starting shortstop on opening day, Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I figured bad. that it was going to answer the question, but was it like really, really bad all year? Or just kind of, was that a, an issue for him though, as a big ground baller? I think it, I remember opening day. It was most certainly an issue. Yeah, now, I do remember that too. His velocity was down all of April though too. That was the whole cold weather thing, right? Yeah, and the the thing that does concern me was that he was getting fewer swings and misses on his changeup, his his money pitch. Yeah, uh, it, you know, might have been just that he was tipping it more or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, he was a near ace over the final four months, two seventy three ERA over the final four months, although one twenty WHIP. Here's the thing about Luis Castillo: he's always had a relatively high WHIP. So that's just because of the walks, right? Yeah, and you just got to realize you're not. If he's your SP one, then you're losing to everybody on whip. Even as your SP two, you probably are a little bit. And yeah. whip is a category. It's something we have to pay attention to. Yeah, uh, a lot, lot of walks and a ton of ground balls. It's pretty much impossible to have a really sterling whip with that combo, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, and you know, 2019 was hit wise was nearly perfect. 139 hits and 190 innings. Last year was 181 hits and 187 innings. So there you go. But we all know how awful he was at the beginning of the season, and he just couldn't make it all catch up. I think the drop is justified. I think that's probably the right right level for him. I think. Do you have any sort of feel why he's dropped from November, December to now? No, not, except maybe more people are doing deep dives and, ju- and not yeah. just saying, hey, he's Luis Castillo. I'll get him at a discount. Like, oh, okay, this. Um, I, every, I think every, every closer gets pushed up around. So I guess that somebody has got to get pushed. Yeah. Some something else too. has to yeah. drop. I think that's a good point. And speed goes up. Saves go yeah. up. Starters have to go down. I think so that's round, round seven is the new price. Uh, are you in at round seven? I haven't gotten them yet. Uh, I'm, I'm in at round seven. I think that's fair. I think I might, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I'm not like going out of my way to get them. If I have two pitchers already, I probably will grab a bat there if there's something I like instead. But if I if I need the starter, if I need some K's, that's something I consider. I just re- you just got to realize you're you're not going to get any bonus in WHIP. Yeah, and that's one of your four categories you got a starting pitcher for. That's a it's a good point. As I look deeper at that, that one point three six, so that's that's rough. So yeah, couple more ADP movers. I do want to get to some pitching uh, category guys here, but we've gone a little bit long. Um, Reese Hoskins has moved uh, about a round. He's uh, like pick 150 to pick 137. Uh, last year was uh, the batting average is not great, 247, but 27 home runs, 71 RBIs, and only 107 games. 
Uh, the key is the key for me is his hard hit rate was back to his rookie year. He had that really fantastic rookie year. Where he broke out and he was called up midseason and just kind of hit everything hard the whole uh, the whole season. Hard hit rate was up to forty six percent, seventeen percent barrel rate last year. That puts him in the top uh, fifteen among all players who had two hundred fifty batted ball events. He was eighth in baseball in barrel per plate appearance. So like a lot of hard hit hard hit balls, hard contact. He clearly got more aggressive. You look a little bit deeper. Um, his walk rate was down to a te- about ten percent. Swung at more pitches than ever in his career. So he's really trying to hit the ball, hit clearly hitting the ball hard and earlier in at bats. He's uh his swing percentage is a career high 44%. He swung at more pitches inside the zone, he swung more pitches outside the zone. It's one of the one of the few guys you kind of get deeper numbers. You can really see that there was a change in his approach. Um K rate was up a little bit, but still workable at 24%. You know, not great, but a number we can deal with from a power hitter. Um, I think I'm in at the new price. I think that uh I think I really like what he did. Um, I don't know if you like it for baseball, you know, not much as much, not going to base as much, but for fantasy, I do like the approach now. And, you know, we've often talked about waiting at first base. Well, this yeah. is something, this is one of those guys in that range where if you wait for him, th- that he, this is a pretty affordable price. Yeah. I'm okay with this. I think there's still a lot of guys like Hoskins though, at this level, except Hoskins could still hit 40 someday. Yeah. I think that's the difference. I think there's a lot of 25 Homer first baseman you can get late, but you can, I'm just trying to look down the ADP here. Like, I yeah I take him. Him versus Votto is kind of a close call. I think I take him over Josh Bell. I think I take him over CJ Crone. Uh, I definitely take him over Muncie and Ty France. But there's not a whole lot of difference between he and Anthony Rizzo, who's you know, fifty points, fifty picks later. That's the one thing that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I just think Hoskins' home run upside is significantly different than Rizzo's. But that 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 I'll buy. I'll, it depends where Rizzo that. signs to. Like Rizzo were to go back to New York, then I think that obviously changes too. So a lot depends sure. on where Rizzo ends up, also. But um, last guy I want to ask you about. We're just going to talk about on field here, not off field. Is Marcel Ozuna? He's worked moved up thirty picks over the last uh, over the last month. He was a pick. 224, so kind of the middle of the draft, the 15th round there. He's up to 194. His retroactive suspension is complete. He got the 28th suspension, but that has been completed. It was uh, you know completed based on the games he missed last year. Only 48 games last year. It wasn't good. But you look at 2020. Uh, dude was unbelievable. Hit 338. I, I looked at that again to make sure that was right when I typed it down. 18 home runs, 56 RBIs, and only 60 games. He averaged almost an RBI per game. An unreal pace in that uh, the short COVID season. Um, hard hit did fall off last year. Uh, really good barrel rate in 2020. Uh, do you think Marcelo Zuna is the 2020 guy? I think he's the 2020 guy, 21 guy that struggled, had injuries, and then had the off-field issues. Um, should hit middle of the lineup. Obviously, they, if they sign Freeman, he moves down a spot. But with the DH, you got to think he's going to play every day. Atlanta, does, and that's surprisingly for the World Series winner, does not have a, a ton of outfielder options uh, kind of ready to go at the moment. They may sign some guys. But um, what do you do with Ozuna right now? At, uh, let's just call it pick 200. I mean, I admire his utter lack of consistency consistency throughout his career. It really I is mean, up and you, down. I mean, look, it dates back to like 2015, 2016, you know, 691, 773, just OPSs here. 924 in 2017 with the Marlins, 758 in his first year with the Cardinals. Oh, well, he had the bad elbow. Okay, well, there's always a reason. I mean, he, I think he's a little injury prone. Yeah. I think his defense is really hideous, but <clears throat> that we're not playing – stratomatic we're not playing score sheets so that doesn't matter too much yeah, we have we have a dh now correct yep. and almost certainly they're not afraid to use it on him yep uh i i just you know i i mean 2020 sticks out like a total sore thumb in terms of batting average but so it's 2017 when he hit 312 for crying out loud it's just one of those guys that's all over the map i mean yep. he's like 
he takes Bryce Harper's volatility batting average wise and then turns it up to 11. I mean, it's just such a wide range of outcomes with him. And the wild thing is you take out, you take out 2019. He's had 14 stolen bases all career and 2019. He stole 12. So there's like, there's a weird outlier stolen base here in there too. So it's, yeah, that is super weird. He's all over the place. Yeah. But man, pick 195. I think you just, it's hard to find a, a guy who can go as big as this guy can at that pick. I think, uh, I think I'm pretty in at the price. I think I am. Um, I'll say this I don't blame anyone who says that they won't take him because of what he did off the field. Right. Uh, I, 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 I'm not one of those people that says, uh, you, oh, you can't do that. I mean, I understand you, you separate the player from the stats. And if you want to do that approach too, I don't blame you for that either. Yep. I just don't, in fact, just don't blame. Just, you know, it's happy, fun, fancy sports activity here. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel a little cringy every time I'm about to click that button on him though. I'll, I don't I, know why. I, 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 it's always, a, it feels a little cringy also, but it's, uh, um, if we're talking fantasy and stats here, I think at the price, I think that uh, that whole situation probably bumps him down a little bit. People don't really want to pick him either. Well, I think that and it's not just the pass. There's the chance that, that could happen again. True. Too. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, if you study domestic violence, I mean, it's rarely a one-time thing, unfortunately. And um, so, yeah, I mean that that's reason enough not to take him if you feel that way. So uh, that's okay too. I, I, but yeah, I think that. It, it's probably commensurate with the risk in terms of from a fancy perspective. Yeah. And you look at, I mean, you look at projections, I mean, steamers got him at 29 home runs and 95 RBIs and 264. Like at that, at that price, I mean, that's, I've got him at 264. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a full go right there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of his midpoint. Four is a bad number in my life, by the way. Who? uh, What's the reference? I don't get it. When I was on when I was on Stump the Schwab, the tiebreaker question, the answer was two sixty four, and I lost uh, I lost five grand losing the tie the tiebreaker question. Oh no! I'll never forget two sixty four though. No, you right? sure won't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the uh, number of weeks in a row at that moment that Tiger Woods had been number one in the world, <sighs> and I was pretty sure that VJ or no, it was Ernie Els. I think I, I was pretty sure Ernie Els had had it for like a week or two and broke Tiger's into two. Because that's when he was like Tiger Slam and all that. I was pretty sure he broke it into two different like 125 week segments. So I guess like 127, the Schwab guessed 150 and it was 264. So I'll never forget that number though. If you ever, if you ever need that trivia question answered, I'm good to go with that one. And 5,000 back then was. Oh yeah. I was, what was pretty I? Pretty huge. 25 pretty huge. and had just like, yeah, 5,000 would have been really nice. Yes. Yes. That's especially, a lot of ramen. Especially when ESPN does not pay for your flight to New York to appear on the show either. So it was, no. uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was not a cheap trip. But uh, oh, definitely worth definitely worth the experience and all that. And uh, Stuart Scott was great. Schwab was great. So it was a really fun experience. But yeah, it's uh, the five thousand would have been nice on a on a random uh, tiebreaker question because I went all the way through that final round. We tied, and then uh, it was that was it. That's tough. Yeah, I had one question question to win it. It was my final question was who has the record for the most consecutive free throws made? Who record did they break, and how many was the streak? Oh jeez! I was like, yeah, good luck with That's that. That's like one. studying the almanac. There, I got the uh, I got Calvin the, Murphy. I got that part right. That was the that was the who whose record they broke. It was uh, Michael Williams with the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. I guessed uh, I guess Chris Jackson or Mahmoud Abdurov, and I think he broke it at one point, but was not the current record holder. So I was close, but didn't quite get there. Okay, still, yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself for pulling Calvin Murphy. That was really that was say. really good because I was I was uh, no studying. 
I was yeah. studied as could be. I was like almanac reading for weeks before that, and I uh, I still I got the Cal Murphy part, but that was that was it. But um, that's that was a good answer right there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so last week we talked about uh, hitters after pick 200, where if you're kind of struggling in a category, you can attack them. I want to do that a little bit with pitchers. We'll do it pretty quick here. But first, a note from our sponsors at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes who have the biggest, who have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit them in at $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And then thirdly, play in your first paid contest receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So, Jeff, as you're in your draft, uh, whether it be a paid draft, your home league, your TGFBI, and you realize you're at, you know, in the second half of the draft, and you're like, ah, I'm kind of weak in pitching categories. We did the offense last week, and I wanted to hit pitching a little bit. We're not going to do saves because that's kind of probably a different podcast, kind of mining for saves late. But with starting pitchers, if you're uh, if you're at the point where you maybe have a couple guys on bad teams or maybe a couple guys that don't go deep into games, you need some wins at this point. Uh, is there anybody down here in, say, the 200s that you think you can kind of attack and 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 hopefully get some wins from? Well, I'm going to go straight off the outline. I, I rostered Adam Wainwright in a couple of leagues. Uh, you know, yes, you're going to lose some strikeouts because of this, but you get volume in innings. You know that they're not going to use treat him with kid gloves. Yep. The team's pretty good, um, and yeah, I, I think that that's and he's just he's quietly been great. I thought, okay, he's not facing the Central Division exclusively. You're cracking down on sticky stuff. No problem. He got better. Yeah. I'll, just, uh, I'll throw a three, 3.05 ERA at you. Yeah. I thought, okay, 2020 was just this nice little mirage, a uh, little dead cat bounce. He's going to go back to his four or five ways and that he had had for like three years in a row. But no, he he, he turned on a great year. Uh, I don't mind getting Adam Wainwright at all. I think the point you make about durability is key because it's not only you need guys to go out there, you need guys to go deep into games. Like these guys that throw five or six innings, like it's just hard for bullpens to hold leads. And, you know, Wayne White's going six, going seven. He's done a lot of deep into the games. He had 32, 32 starts last year. 29 of those were five plus innings. 24 of them were six plus innings. Like that's just a lot of spots where, you know, Cardinals can score in the fifth or sixth and, and get a couple runs. And, you know, you use only use two relievers instead of four. Like it makes a big difference if you're just deep in that game. Yeah, and maybe this is musical chairs, and at some point the music will stop, and he will be held held without you know, standing there without a chair. But that okay, feels like it's, it's priced. That feels metaphor. like it's horrible like metaphor. It feels like it's priced in, though. It feels like the yeah. the the fact that he's old and people don't trust him. I mean, ADP's pick two thirteen. Like it's not like you're paying a price for a guy who had seventeen wins with a three point oh five ERA last year. Yeah, I mean, I'd take him over Marcus Stroman, who also doesn't get you strikeouts. Uh, I, love, and, I love Marcus Stroman, but it's hard for me to argue that. And he's on the Cubs, who shouldn't yeah. be that good, uh, and hasn't been as durable. Uh, and I like Marcus Stroman, but I take I take Wainwright over him. My my guy down here, I cheated a little bit on his ADP is one ninety six, but I'm going to go ahead and count that and round up to two hundred. Is Jordan Montgomery in New York? Um, threw one hundred fifty seven innings last year and thirty starts, three point eight three ERA. But this is a play where. You just have a great offense. You have an offense in a park that's going to score a lot of runs. Um, K rate's about 24.5%, but it's good to finally see Montgomery stay healthy. Um, his, his, he has two really good strikeout pitches, too. His curveball, 39% whiff rate. His, uh, his changeup, 39% whiff rate. by is 42, 43% whiff rate. Uh, batting average under 200 on both those pitches. He throws those 24% of the time each. So it's like half his pitches, really good whiff rate. And then you get some strikeouts. I think he'll go, you know, he's probably not going to be as deep as Wainwright in the games, but you still get five yeah. or six innings at him. And, 
I think the Yankees offense I like a lot more to score earlier than I do the Cardinals. So I think that I think both guys work. But I think if uh, I need wins uh, down here, I think Montgomery's a guy that I'm going to go ahead and grab and, and feel like I'm going to get uh, double-digit wins out of him. I think that's a really good call. Um, and I, I wish I had a little bit more of him so far. I have to kind of dig in him a little bit more, maybe change his projection, get him higher up on the draft tool a little bit because I, I think that's super valid. Yeah, I like the two strikeout pitches. I look deeper into him. I think that uh, if he can kind of learn a pitch mix a little bit better as he kind of you know becomes more of a veteran, I think he maybe even get a few more punch outs out of him. Yep, yep. I think you're right about that. Um, so, yeah. Ratios are tough down here. It's uh, If you're struggling for ratios, you might be in a little bit of trouble uh, if you don't have them early. But if you need them, uh, is there anybody down in the 200s you're like, ah, I need some ERA. Uh, where can I go for that? Yeah, it's going to cost you some wins because I don't think he's going to be doing this. I don't have any of them yet. This pitcher, but I want him. And okay. the more I think about it, I want him more. It's John Means. Oh, uh, all right. I, you know, look at if you look at uh, what they did to the ballpark and you look at his splits, where he just got killed at home last year 462, 120 at home last year on the road, 284, 090. Now, as a left handed starter, they're moving the right, the left field fence back and up. And a long ways, too. It's not like they're moving yeah. back five feet. It's, like, it's right. way back there. It's, it's yeah. wild. Which, that's a massive thing. And in 2020, it was even more pronounced 706 at home. He got destroyed at home. Now that was 21 innings, but point being is John means got hurt by his ballpark two years running. Uh, he's healthy. Now he's finally fully healthy. He's a good pitcher, just stuck on a terrible team. Realize you're not going to get wins. The bullpen's not going to help you a whole lot here, but you're getting strikeouts and you're going to get good ratios. I, you know, he might actually get hurt a little bit in terms of whip because of some of those balls that, you know, he's a fly ball pitcher. Maybe some, you know, fall into the gaps a little bit more because it's a bigger gap to cover. And yeah. they'll probably have like Mount Castle trying to chase down fly balls in left field, which ugh, that could be a little scary. But uh, I, I think that he's a really good pitcher. I think he's going to benefit the most of all the Orioles pitchers. Yeah, and ADP is 223. So you're talking about a, in a 15-teamer, you're talking about the 15th round. Obviously, if you're talking a, a 12-team, it's like the 20th round. Um, so that's really good. Um, someone in the chat mentioned uh, Hinjin Ryu. I think that was that was my second guy here. Yeah, um, it. was rough last year. I think he just wore down last year. It just it just didn't work. The ERA is four and a half. But, I mean, he was 232 in 2019. He was 269 in 2020. There's someone that was like in the fifth, sixth round in drafts last year. Um, but my guy, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Uh, Ryu's IDP is about 200. I'm going to go 230s. Um, Alex Cobb is really interested in me moving moving to San Francisco. Um, 3.76 area last year in 93 innings. Big ground ball rate. I like that. 53, uh, 53% ground ball rate. K rate jumped. Career high 25%. Walk rate's about 8%. I like that a little bit lower, but not horrible. Uh, you like to see the whiff rate and the sinker doubled. Uh, he was up to up 14%. And up six percent on his curveball, so getting a lot more punch outs on two different pitches. His splitter's nasty too. Thirty-five percent whiff rate. He threw that thirty-seven percent of the time or so. Um, I like the move to San Francisco. San Francisco's really good with pitchers. We saw that with with Gossman and Descalfani last year. Um, they just know. They seem like they know what they're doing. They're going to score some runs. I don't know how that often scores a lot of runs, but they seem to. Um, I just think he's another guy that uh, down here in the fifteenth, sixteenth round, you're going to get double digit wins out of. And I think the ERA stays in a pretty manageable spot pitching in San Francisco. Yeah, I like Cobb too. Uh, I, I think that's that's a good call, and of course, everybody compares him to Gossman. Gossman's yeah. got a higher ceiling. I don't think Cobb's For got sure. that sort of ceiling, but I don't um, either. I, but I think at the price here, I think oh, heck gonna, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a profit at that price. Yeah, we paid a lot higher price for Gossman last year, like eighth, yeah. ninth round in a fifteen teamer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I like uh, him. I like any pitcher on Houston. I know we're going to talk about that in a second here yep. too. But uh, I mean, I just like betting on pitching staffs. 
I do too. I like pitching staffs and pitching coaches. It's crazy. Andrew Bailey, the old days closer, was the pitching staff for the Giants or pitching coach for the Giants, and clearly did great, great work last year. I mean, they just they they got good work out of almost everybody. And mm-hmm. even that we talk about their bullpen. I mean, I mean Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee were good, and Camilo Doval came in was good. They just they just find ways to to get guys to pitch well, and it's a good park to pitch, and not quite as good as it used to be. I understand that, but um, you know, in terms of parks, still give me that as a place to pitch. I'll take it every day. Yep. So whip is a really tough category down here too. Whip's a hard category in general. Usually, as we get down here, you get pitchers who walk guys who give up a lot of hits. Uh, whip or whip is kind of like runs for me. Like the elite guys are the ones that do really well in it. Um, if you get pack, pick past two past pick two hundred, maybe you have a Luis Castillo or a couple guys early that you don't love their whip. Uh, what can you do down here for somebody that you think might not hurt you in that category? Yeah, well, I'm gonna go. On, I'm gonna cheat off of your outline and say Please Jose Urquidy. Uh, I love um, that one. Love him. You know, you're missing some strikeouts again, but I still love him. Do you know what his whip was last year? I don't. Uh, it was but, under one. Yeah, uh, I don't doubt that, that for a second. Um, you I, don't I, get a lot of under one whip pitchers at pick two twenty five. I was I was surprised when I saw his whip. Yeah, it, it, he whipped it really good. Um, and then nice. I got that one. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That was that it, was it, like it's about fifty fifty with your references. So that's I, mean, I always got to point out when I get one. Yeah, it's good. We're all proud of you. Yeah, well, um, usually you're there from 1958, so I usually don't get them. Yeah, you're like five years younger than me. That's, <laughs> that's a crazy thing. Sorry, uh, I, there. I like uh, again going back to organizations. You know, find me a raised pitcher. I'll I'll take Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Uh, you know, everybody may you know talks about the Willie Adamas side of that deal, but Rasmussen was uh, really pretty darn good after they moved yeah. him into the rotation. Um, I, I I'm a Gamble on Patino, who is not quite there yet. I think that's more of where the puck is moving sort of guy, but throws 96, um, was 22, and it's his second year in the organization. I'm okay and, with and that. You talk, you talk uber prospects, too. I mean, Patino is a super high-level pedigree prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. And everyone's going to be all over Shane Baz. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to pay up for him. Uh, Do you have any feel? You obviously talk about baseball all the time. Do you have any feel for what the Rays you think we'll do with those pitchers? You think we're going to get openers and uh, with Baz and Yarborough and Rasmus and all these guys? Do you have any feel for how they're going to treat those guys? I think it'll be more of the same. Yeah, Yeah. I think sometimes they'll have an opener. Sometimes they will be the opener. Sometimes they'll be a full-on starter. Uh, You know, it's wild. Uh, They the the whole point is they're not going to reveal their secret sauce. I mean, I think that's part of the issue there too. Sneaky guy might be uh, Christian Javier um, with the Astros too. With the news that Lance McCullers won't be ready for opening day or is unlikely to be ready for opening day, it means Javier might have a chance in that rotation. You know, the problem with him and and with Rasmussen is, uh, you know, both of those guys aren't going to go deep into games. That's that's the one thing that kind of worries me a little bit. But at the same time, I, I just think they're good pitchers and I want those guys and let let roles figure themselves out just get go find good pitchers yeah and the rays just the rays just do that constantly i mean they had shane mcclanahan last year who broke out and you i remember that first game he i think he's pitching against the a's and i was like oh my yep. god who is this guy like this guy's throwing 98 with tail as a lefty i'm like where i know the, the, the movement away from right-handed yeah. hitters i was like oh. i forget who the A's first righty was i was probably freaking elvis andrus but like i remember the first batter i was like oh my god this guy's unbelievable i was like i did i, I knew people were excited about him but I, the first couple pitches i was like this guy's really good Canna, I think it was right. Oh, it could have been Canna. It could have been Canna. Yeah, I was just, I was just, yeah. Well, we, I saw with, with Elvis Andrus. <laughs> we briefly saw McClanahan in the 2020 playoffs, and they were talking. It's just he, he was because remember they had a weird rule that they allowed 
players who hadn't played them in the regular season to pitch in the playoffs. And he made his debut in the playoffs. Uh, and it was kind of like K-Rod, except he actually hadn't pitched in the majors before. Yeah. That. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, you know, I, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah, Lefty who throws hard. One of those, like, the, like five pitches in the eye test. You're like, yeah, this guy's got some stuff. So, yeah. Uh, my guy here is uh, is a, a few picks higher than Jose Arquiti, but it, it's Joe Ryan in Minnesota. Yeah, it, weird. You look at Joe Ryan last year. You're like, oh, 26 innings, 4.05 ERA. You know, made five starts. Uh, the WHIP was 0. .79 in those in those starts. I'm yeah. like, oh, I wonder what he did in the minors. Uh, 3.63 ERA, 57 innings, 0. .79 WHIP. I was like, that'll work. Also, um, he doesn't walk anybody, which is huge for this. He was a five percent walk rate, four point seven percent walk rate in AAA last year. That's obviously huge for whip. I mean, you just you, you and you avoid the walks. You know, you're only dealing with the hits, which is all really nice. Uh, walk rate was really good in 2019 in Double uh, A with the Rays, and obviously really good in AAA with, when he was with the Rays. Also, um, was he what trade was he in Nelson Cruz trade? Yes, he was. There you I was go. just going to ask you, what organization did he yeah. come from? I oh, know, the Rays, right? of course. And then you're like, well, I mean, this guy doesn't walk anybody, but does he strike anybody out? And I'm like, oh, 30 percent strikeout rate in the majors, 34.9 percent in AAA. Like. As I look deeper at Joe Ryan, I really like him as a, a whip guy and also just kind of an overall pitcher at the price. I think he's someone that I'm definitely in on, but I don't know. You give me a whip under 0.8 last year, and it, it's hard to find whip guys. He's never had a whip over 1.13 in any, any lever at the minors. Um, it's hard to find whip guys. You give me one at 214, uh, I'm all about Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, give me both yeah, of them. Bailey Ober works also. Same kind of – this range, if I can get like uh, Ryan and Arcidi or something like that, I, I'd love to go kind of double back-to-back in the, in the mid-round here. If I if I need a couple of pitchers, I'm, I, this is a range. We, we talk about pockets of value. It's a range in here where there's like three or four guys I really like in this range. Right, and you got to remember you're not paying the AL tax this year. It's, yep. There, there's no discernible you know, drop-off in AL pitchers versus NL pitchers. And in fact – in the case of Ober and Ryan, you're, you're facing the AL Central, which I know Detroit's better. I know Kansas City's better. Cleveland's worse, I think. Yeah. And you is, just is is Kansas City better? I think they're marginally better. Uh, I think you for know the they, twelve years honesty plays. Well, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to get the yeah. call. Um, they've got other kids. Uh, Melendez is going to be some up on the way at some point too. Uh, I think. You know, Prado might be interesting. Point is, I think that there's – and I like their pitching. I think their, their pitching is going to take yeah. another step up too. As, l- as long as Michael A. Taylor is still playing every, good, every day, I'm good throwing pitchers against them. <laughs> yeah. That guy's and terrible. He is. I mean, the only lineup you're scared to face really is the White Sox. So yeah. I, that's better than most divisions. I'll take that. Um, so as, as tough as to fight ratios down here, everybody loves strikeouts. All the strikeouts guys go way early. Um, I hate being down strikeouts when I get down here, but if you, if you are, mm-hmm. um, if you're in the 200s, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit light in strikeouts. Uh, what are you attacking here? If you find yourself in that predicament? Um, I'm going to steal from you. I did take Aaron Ashby in labor. Um, I, know you, I know you mentioned him earlier. Tell me about Aaron Ashby. Cause I had him marked down here. Um, wh- wh- where do you see his role? Where do you see his race? Are we looking at a, uh, starter out the gate are we looking at a reliever and then he comes into a starter later like where do you think his role comes in because i think huh. that's the that's the big question with him obviously that's always it is with the brewers and you know peralta had that path burns had that path um maybe it doesn't happen this year but i think it does i mean he's all aaron ashby's always had case and james anderson i trust too james is on a guy i'm typically on a guy especially uh, a brewer right that's local for him yeah well and it just he got because of him i had a lot of sandy alcantara last year uh you know just think you know I like the give me the upper velocity guys. Uh, if you want to go even deeper and later into the draft, give me Ronzi Contreras from the Pirates. I know a terrible team, but another 
upside uh, strikeout guy, throws 96, 97. Um, I think he's someone that, you know, he, he's free. You know, he, he's picked 476 since May, uh, February 1st. You're, you're not having to pay much for him there. Um, pitcher 170. Uh, but he and can, he's a he weird guy too because it looks like it looks like he found something in the COVID year where we have no stats and no games because he was like yep. not really a strikeout guy. Then he came out last year and was a massive strikeout guy. So you wonder if he you know found some velocity or found something. But you, we had that weird 2020 season. We don't see that like step up progression. We just see a, a big jump sometimes. And he's one of those guys that jumped way up strikeout rate last year. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then one other guy, super duper late that I might be interested in is a red. Uh, so take it with the appropriate grain of salt, but. <laughs> Reaver San Martin came up really late in the season and damn, the guy can miss bats 89 K's and 82 innings in triple a this last year might have a role. I mean, now that they've already let uh, Wade Miley walk, there's rumors that they're going to trade Castillo or gray or yep. both, um, you know, anything that moves because they're the reds and, you know, Bob inherited wealth. Castellini doesn't want to you know be able to pay his players more than two years running. So uh, inherited yeah. wealth is a great nickname for I'd like that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, there was a good thread going around on Twitter about how many uh, of the baseball owners are really like second, third generation. You know, it's like succession, you know, uh, which I hear I have to see. I still haven't seen it. But the whole concept of like the next generation is not as good as the first. Succession is really good, really well done. Um, as long as you're OK, like watching a show where nobody is likable. OK, OK. Um, it's, it's really well acted. The kid Colton, who's I'll say McCulkin, but is like all world phenomenal's character, but like nobody is likable in the whole show. So there's no one to root for, huh? Yeah, you, you, every time you find you find someone to root for, like the next episode, you realize you don't want to root for them either. But huh. uh, they have a cousin in the family that is, is pretty much the kind of the the rootable guy. Um, but yeah, it's but it's really well done. It's really yeah, it takes like five or six episodes to really get into. I watched the first three or four. I'm like, I don't know this is for me. And then like by episode like six or seven, I was like, I just want more of this. So there's like that weird breaking point where you kind of figure out all the characters and stuff. It gets really good, but you have to kind of commit to it. Yeah, well, that, I'll put that on the list as the next one I, that I'm going to see. I I am watching Friday Night Lights finally, in part finally. because you pushed me over the edge to do that. Where, uh, how how far into it are you? Like seven episodes. Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, we're, you we're already it? at to the point where someone's taking steroids. So uh, you know, <laughs> you, we're, we're 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 checking all the football cliche is that, boxes. Is that, is that Smash with the steroids in the season? Yes, one? Yeah. yes. Um, and then I'm we're re, we're also rewatching Better Call Saul. Uh, because final season's coming in April, and I want to be. I, it's been so long. I want to know exactly what's happening. Like when we watched the the Ozark, those first eight episodes of the last this last season, I had to remind myself all the crazy stuff that had happened. Do you, well, I'm not going to do that with Better Call Saul. I have not watched Ozark. Do you highly recommend it? Yes, or, yes, okay. yes. Right. It's great. It's I like fantastic. Jason Bateman a lot too, so that helps. Yeah, just Laura Lenny's fantastic in it too. Every time I'm on Netflix, I see that come up. I'm like, I wonder if it's start. Is it super dark or kind of not funny dark? It's kind of funny dark because uh, I don't also, like super. I don't like super super dark. The the actress who um, I forget her name. Uh, she plays Ruth uh, in Ozark. She's awesome. The younger blonde girl. Yeah, yeah. She was, uh, in, the, she, she was in the Americans also. That's right. That's right. She was yeah, the she was like Kimmy Russian, the boyfriend, in the Americans, yeah, yeah. Yes. The girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's fantastic. And there are there's times where she just kind of carries the show. They do they, she gets she has some great lines, and she turns swearing into an art form. So I, think oh, I like that. Too. 
All right, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put that at the top of the list. I think that was the one I was gonna watch next anyway. Yeah, you but, should. Uh, back real quick to strikeouts. It's tough. I really like those names. I like the uh, I like the Contreras name a lot. That's that's one that definitely uh, I'm gonna look a little deeper into. So I, I like to hear that. Uh, my down here is a pretty easy one. It's a risky one, but it's Mike Clevenger at pick uh, pick two oh seven. I realize that you're taking a big risk. Who knows exactly you know what uh, what he's gonna look like, but. This someone was a 34% strikeout rate last time we saw him really in 2019. He threw 126 innings. I know the strikeout rate's going to kind of up and down. You know, who knows what he was doing. But anytime you give me that high a number, pick 207, he's at a, in, a, in a team that's uh, that should be good and a park that's good to pitch in. Um, I don't like to take a risk on this early on, but if you can pick in the, in the 200s, and I, I feel pretty good about my pitchers, and I, I maybe need some strikeouts. I think that Clevenger might be uh, – this might be the spot where I'm willing to take, kind of take the risk. If it doesn't work out – um, it's a it's down far enough where if I have to you know bench him or drop him, I'm okay with it. Um, but I think the the upside is pretty significant at 207 with with acknowledging that uh, you know who knows what we're really going to get. When exactly he had the procedure in November, right? So 18 months is about the start of the season. Okay, yeah, that's what I was I was ballparking it. Maybe I, yeah. maybe you don't get him right away, but um, from the clip I actually read up. I, I really read some clips, and it looks like he was pitching. I mean, obviously, who knows these videos and backyards and stuff we see are just. The whole thing's insane right now. Is the the Isn't biggest it? side yeah. the biggest side effect from this whole thing is that we don't have like actual reports from team doctors and like we don't know what's going on. But um, everything I've seen seems like he's kind of ramping it up and ready to go. I know who knows how quick we get that, but if I got to sit for a few weeks um, at the price, I think it's a spot where I'm willing to take the take the step. I've only got him for 20 starts. Obviously, any delay to the start of the season probably helps him a little it does, bit. Yeah. Um, same with Verlander, same with, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, same with, uh, Thor, uh, but yeah, uh, the, you know, and, and of course Acuna is the guy that really benefits the most from all that, but, uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll know more ne- later in the week. Uh, I was going to say, sure. gu- last question, gun to your head. What's the, what's opening day? May 1st. Right. I'm going June one. Yeah. I really, I really want to be wrong though. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, if we if we go June one, I'm putting you in charge of outlines for the podcast. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Could be favorite Fletch references podcast there, and you're you know. But uh, anyways, uh, I'll say this: I have been kind of holding off in the last week. I, you know, everybody knows I'm pro player and all this. Yeah. This isn't about what's fair or right; it's about leverage. Um, and I've come to come to grips with that a little bit lately. The owners are fully steering into this because they want to win this negotiation yeah and the players want to win this negotiation they, they want to save face after losing the last two negotiations in my opinion uh so i think it, you look at it in that light and i'm you know the court of public opinion is more against the owners than it's ever been in these negotiations and yet it's still not fully and still I mean, you read i mean you read comments and stuff and there's a lot of like never these, read these, the these players i know oh. you never can it's 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 terrible but it's just you still a lot of this greedy players. I'd play for free and that kind of stuff. You just like you when you don't realize when you go to a game, someone's making money. Do you? I mean, do you really want the owners to just make that much more? It's just, I mean, if you don't get to the players, it's going somewhere. So, well, everyone's bought into the hook, line, and sinker that you know these players' salaries are the reason why the pirates can't compete. Not that because they're just taking the money, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm trying not to get too caught up in this whole diatribe because. It's just not healthy. It's just no, it's not. And I, yeah. I was pessimistic early on. I was getting down about. It. I'm just like, you know, there's nothing I can do about it now. I'm gonna kind of play my fancy teams, and we'll see. And if I, if we get an agreement, I'll start to really get deep into it and start drafting. And we got TGFBI going, so I'm gonna fully draft that, assuming that yeah. we're gonna be a go. But uh, 
Last question. Have you seen Caitlin Clark on Iowa play basketball? Oh my gosh. She's, she's the female Steph Curry. She had a step back behind the, behind the back dribble step back three today. That was literally, it's I've just it, unbelievable. She's unbelievable. She's she'll pull up from like the center yeah. circle sometimes it's and drain her. Um, yeah, and you're like, oh, that you're like, oh, like, they can't be shot that. It goes in. You're like, all right, I guess that works. And she's she's not a total gunner. She also has like double digit assists every yeah. game. It seems like they won they won the Big Ten tonight. That was uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, she's fun. Yeah, you see those clips. You're like, oh my, it, it really. I think Steph Curry moves. You see like the people the people that are starting to grow up and, and actually watched him play as kids. You're just like, we're starting to get that generation, which is which is pretty fun. So yeah. Anyway, we've gone long enough. I appreciate everybody for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed some positive baseball talk at the, at the top. Uh, I know Jeff and I enjoyed doing that. I uh, always like talking just regular baseball too. And then we got some fancy stuff also. Uh, Jeff, anything else uh, on your mind you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, it's week one without Chris Liss as my co-host on SiriusXM. Tomorrow's James Anderson and I uh, to kick okay. off TGFBI. Are Todd you Zola rotating I- guests or what are you? Is it permanent? Typically, my it's uh, well, uh, Rotowire's got a lot of people, so it's great. But Todd Zola and I are typically going to be Monday, Tuesday. Todd's got a dental thing tomorrow, so okay. he said doing a show is like pull, with me is like pulling teeth. So we decided to test that proposition. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can promise him that's definitely true. We yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're co-hosting uh, the Tout Wars twelve team mix draft on Tuesday, so that's the all first right. of the Tout Wars drafts. Um, also draft and hold gets started, but that's all like slow draft. So, uh, not a live draft. Uh, it'd be a tough live stream. Yes, it would be. Uh, James Anderson joined is hosting with me on Wednesdays and clay link on Thursdays. So, uh, oh, that's a, that's I a pretty, I that, right, that order, right. But I'm I excited. will, uh, I will definitely miss list, but that's a pretty darn good group to, uh, yeah. to, to fill in. That's, that's, that's pretty solid. Thing. Yeah. We're as well positioned as we've ever been to at least go that route. So I'm I excited. honestly, I obviously know James and follow him and have met him a few times at the Vegas trips, but like I've listened to him a bunch of more on podcasts this offseason. He is really damn good at what he does. Yeah, he, he asks the best questions. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, the, you know, Sarah's a podcast. Yeah, you know, he's, in terms he's of asking really great good. questions. And that's a big compliment to Eno, too, by the way. I hope he realizes that. I love Eno. I think he's fantastic. So yeah. good stuff all around. Beautiful. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate uh, WinBet for their uh, partnership all year long on the podcast. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, Jeff's at Jeff underscore Erickson. I am at Scott Jensted. We'll be undoubtedly talking baseball on there this week, hopefully in a positive way. I'd love to be talking players and not uh, not uh, labor and CBA stuff. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we get uh, some kind of miraculous good news tomorrow. But I hope everybody has a really good week. Take care. Thanks for listening. We'll be at you back at you next Sunday night. Take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.